0: From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more. Wish the headlines would just stop. It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendlypeopleatchurchescare.com. At ChurchesCare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. ChurchesCare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit ChurchesCare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com.
1: For more information on the X Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
2: If you're a seeker, don't miss the inspiring book Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work. Chronicles, shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder, Sandra Cochran's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers throughout the Americas. Sandy's initiations across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt, combined with her knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth, influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private readings, sacred international journeys, a meditative CD, and her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you, as you navigate your earth walk and create a deeper connection to yourself. Find this and more at her website, starwalkervisions.com.
3: vast universe exists within and beyond our reality. What we realize with our five senses is but a tiny fraction of all that is real. Welcome to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent, your guide and advocate as we remove the blinders of our everyday lives and experience together all that exists out there in the world beyond our world. Welcome today, folks. We've got an exciting show today. We have a special guest, Mr. Larry Lawson, who is from Florida. He is a law enforcement officer and also a paranormal investigator. And both sides of his career path are just as varied as you might imagine. Larry was born in Los Angeles and grew up in Toledo, Ohio, and He left for the state of Florida after graduating high school and never returned. He has a bachelor's degree in management and a master's degree in public administration from Troy State University. And he has been a law enforcement officer in Florida since 1980. He began his career as a corrections officer in Dade County Jail. He has also served as a duty patrol officer, an investigator and detective, and a detective sergeant. He has specialized in sexually related crimes, crimes against children, and the investigation of cult and deviant groups. He also served as the director of the Region 11 Law Enforcement and Corrections Training Academy, and he saw all basic law enforcement and corrections officer basic recruit training he also served as the criminal justice department chair at the Indian River State College in Fort Pierce, Florida. In 2013, Larry retired from the state of Florida service and returned just a few, few uh, moments later to the city of Bellsmere, and he currently serves there as a detective. He has always had a desire to find the answers to the unknown. And as a child, he had a particular interest in UFOs and other similar phenomenon. uh, His first direct connection with the paranormal was when he observed a full-body apparition in the Dade County Jail, where he began his law enforcement career. And since that time, his interest and study into the paranormal has continued in the creation of the Florida Bureau of Paranormal Investigation. He and his team have had the opportunity to investigate some of the most haunted sites in the east-central part of Florida, the most significant of those being in Felsmere itself, where his team has uncovered numerous sites that have produced an incredible amount of evidence. The support of the city of Felsmere has allowed him to host teams of investigators who want to conduct investigations in what he considers the most haunted area in this region of Florida. So we're going to take a moment to welcome Larry Lawson to our show today. How are you doing down there, Larry? Joe, I'm nice and warm. How about you, Joe? Oh, we're uh, experiencing <laughs> some uh, the onset of some freezing rain here in the next few wow. minutes, so it's going to be a great time in uh, Evansville, Indiana.
4: I shouldn't tease you. I'm gr- really happy to be on the show, Joe. Thank you for inviting me.
3: Absolutely. Anytime that I can uh, not only talk to another uh, fellow policeman on the show, but also someone who uh, shares an interest in the paranormal and the supernatural, I'm always willing to uh, have have a good time, and uh, we're going to have a fun hour, I can tell. No doubt. So where did you uh, first begin noticing things about the paranormal?
4: Well, obviously, as a, as a kid, I had certain things would crop up. You hear or see things, and you, you pass it off, or as a little kid, you cover your head under the, the covers. Uh, but the first significant event was, and you mentioned it a moment ago, was in the Dade County Jail. I was just a young corrections officer, just barely had turned 20 years old and getting my start in the uh, law enforcement uh, business. And uh, clearly saw, we, we had a lieutenant that used to sneak up the back stairs to catch folks sleeping. And I saw him, what I thought was him walk by right in front of me down at the end of a, of, um, a hallway, a corridor. It turned out to be the corridor that we housed at that point, individuals that were suicidal or, or at risk. So I hollered to the guys in the back, hey, lieutenant's on the catwalk. They got up. They go out the back of the control room. One goes right. One goes left. They come back and said, Lawson, you're nuts. There's nobody out there. I said, I'm telling you, the lieutenant, I just saw him. Well, the oddest thing about that is that corridor I saw him walk down. Bottom line is the guy said he's not there. You're, you know, the, This place is haunted. The, the two older guys told me they'd seen strange things there. Well, I'd walked down this uh, corridor where we kept the people on suicide watch, and you had to go down every 15 minutes, sign the log. And I'd done it 15 minutes before everything was clear, after this incident, I walked down that same corridor, and in front of one cell, I found a nice uh, set of sheets neatly folded in front of the door. Couldn't have been there. I'm the one that checked the hallway the last time. I had it wasn't there. Turns out that was the cell that the last person hung themselves in with bed sheets. That was uh, an awakening for me, if you
3: will. Wow, that is uh, that is seriously uh, just. It's almost kind of creepy. We're going to come back in just a few moments, and we're going to talk more about paranormal investigations. Folks, you're listening to our special guest, Larry Lawson from Florida, who is a paranormal investigator. And we'll be back in just a few moments after a few brief messages to talk more about the paranormal investigations. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent. This hour, we are talking to Larry Lawson, who is a law enforcement officer in Florida and also a paranormal investigator. Uh, Larry, whenever we uh, left to go to break, we were talking about the bedsheets that you found uh, in the cell where someone had hanged themselves years before. Uh, can you go on about that a little bit more?
4: Well, it's it, it really was a, as simple as that. The it, back in those days, uh, things were a little bit more. Um, when you when you had folks in on suicide watch, they were only allowed limited things, obviously, so they could not do harm to themselves. And in this particular case, no sheets were allowed in the cells um, for that purpose. Mm-hmm. And to to check and see, you know, you check the inmate; they're fine. To find the, and they weren't in the cell; they were actually sitting outside. The um, the um, big metal, the big iron gate uh, leading to the cell from the walkway, and it was just sitting there. And I, of course, turned to the other two, um, thought they were playing a trick on the rookie or something, but it definitely wasn't them. And the simple reason it wasn't them: I was sitting at the control booth. I would have had to push the button to let them in, and hmm. neither of them had left the room. So that was just a very very um, an eye opening event. Uh, I've always had an interest in, in the unknown, finding out the answers to the, uh, the questionable. I guess that's why I became a detective. Um, so, th- But this particular incident really got me thinking about the other side a lot more seriously. And it's been an interest that's been growing year after year.
3: Now, how did you get your start in actually investigating uh, paranormal experiences or hauntings or anything like that? Did you just start immediately there going and trying to record voices and EVPs, or did was, was there a lot of study involved first? How, how did you get into the point where you uh, have progressed to investigating certain incidences?
4: It actually took a number of years. I mean, especially back then, uh, there were very, very few people that actually, uh, openly at least, investigated uh the paranormal. So there was there was really no place to go. Certainly, I had no internet back then, then uh, to to go and check and find out things. So it was one of those situations where uh, life just went on. I, I every time I saw a building uh, that looked interesting, I wondered maybe checked it out. Obviously, being a cop, and I spent many many years on the midnight watch. Um, You'd, you'd go to a building a call where an alarm went off and there's no logical explanation but you'll walk in you'll hear footsteps or see something so that was something that just kind of came with time obviously oh, you know after 2000 2003 this became a little bit more mainstream there was more information out there and um, began to do it informally I actually started with my uh, my son who's now in college uh, he expressed an interest and probably the next time we did anything of, of significance as far as a uh, formal investigating was at the St. Augustine Lighthouse in St. Augustine, Florida. Uh, highly recommend that to anybody that's interested in doing paranormal studies, That that's is crazy. Uh, we were in the lighthouse, uh, long story, I won't bore you with all of it, but we were sitting in the lighthouse by ourselves, we managed to, the other tour kept going because we'd been there earlier, the people that were running it just said, you guys can have the lighthouse to yourself for a couple hours. And we were sitting in there and clearly, clearly heard a little girl laughing on, I think, third or fourth floor. And the interesting part of that was several young ladies died there during the construction of the uh, of the tower. And there's only two ways that we could have heard that laugh. The place was either bugged or we actually heard it. And I'm there's no indication that anybody there had done anything improper So we actually heard that laugh. And that really is when it started for both of us. Uh, My older son, Ryan, is actually the one who came up with the name Florida Bureau of Paranormal Investigation. And we formally got started about 2011.
3: Nice. So did you uh, just simply go out with uh, digital recorders or tape recorders and just try to catch EVPs? Or did you have any cameras at that time? Or what kind of equipment were you using then?
4: Basically, I went out and bought a couple of simple uh, digital uh, digital um, recorders were just becoming more popular. Then uh, we went out with recorders and took our cameras, and uh, really, really learned as we went how to do it and how to uh, how to um, investigate. Now, what I did at this point with this very rudimentary equipment is I took my law enforcement training, my detective training, if you will, and I began to apply it to these investigations, and it allowed me to build or a protocol, if you will, to gather evidence, keep it, store it, um, and look at it objectively, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and obviously, from there, it grew. Uh, equipment costs money. Uh, we've got wives, and wives don't always understand. What do you mean you want to spend $100 on a What What is that? Fortunately, my wife is very understanding, and we began to grow and buy little bits of equipment here and there. Uh, found some other folks that were of like mind. And that's when the group really began to solidify. Uh, and we started doing a little few more formal investigations. Uh, we would, you know, people would ask us to check their houses out. Uh, I particularly like to do historical sites myself because I'm a historian buff and nut is a better way to put it. Uh, and we just began to grow with, uh, as our equipment, uh, we purchased more equipment, it became more sophisticated. Certainly our techniques became more sophisticated. Um, and it's just grown to where we're at today, where, frankly, uh, where I'm at in Felsmere, and that's a whole story in itself, I'm actually in the process of creating a paranormal laboratory of the city of Felsmere because of the many haunted sites there and the unbelievable support I have from the city.
3: Outstanding. I I want to talk about the paranormal uh, laboratory here in just a little bit later, but you know, a lot of people get into paranormal investigations because of a uh, a healthy skepticism about uh, the nature of what happens beyond death. And many of them either are curious and need to know better answers or they are just trying to either debunk everything that they encounter and try to find some kind of a natural explanation for it. But how does a background in law enforcement aid you in investigating some of these wild occurrences
4: oh, that's a great question i will tell you this there's a third group of folks out there too and that's the, <clears throat> excuse me the folks that want to just go on for a quick cheap thrill that's the third group out there i just wanted to mention that real quick and we yeah all but i'm to not them. talking
3: about those kinds yeah. i'm talking about yeah. the people who really want to do some serious work right you know right. I just,
4: <laughs> uh, how does my how does my um background. Essentially, as a detective, and you know this yourself, Joe, as a detective, you have to be very organized, very structured in your collection of information and evidence, because what we have to do is um, present our evidence to a jury to convict a bad guy. Mm -hmm. And that's the tact I've taken with this. Uh, Granted, we're not trying to convict a bad guy, but what we are trying to do is create the evidence, create the preponderance preponderance of evidence that the paranormal exists. That the supernatural exists. That spirits exist. So the approach I take is, as if I was uh, investigating a homicide, is collect the evidence, store it properly, uh, objectively review it. You know, look for, look to find the proper answer, not the answer I want or an answer that I have from a preconceived notion, but just where the evidence leads me. And that's allowed us to create a protocol where we take in evidence, we we review it properly, we store it properly. My team currently has a some folks that review the evidence. I have somebody else that's almost, uh, for lack of a better term, my evidence room custodian. He keeps it. Um, and f- with that is what we're trying to do to build our case, if that makes sense.
3: Mm-hmm. So now how many other law enforcement officers do you have in your team?
4: Um, right now we've got... One former law enforcement officer, two active ones besides myself. Uh, my daughter, who's a police officer herself in the town of Sebastian, has uh, assisted a few times. So right now we've got three full-time cops, one uh, one former cop, a couple of school teachers, and some other folks from different other fields.
3: Now a lot of teams, whenever they go out, you know, like you said, they're trying to collect evidence, and you are actually trying to. Um, build a case for a particular event or a particular site that may have some activity, and you're trying to build a case that that activity is or is not actually occurring in our frame of reference. Mm -hmm. As a law enforcement officer, do you think that your investigation techniques um, can produce uh, better evidence or actually a better case than someone who's Simply trying to either conduct experiments to result in a particular outcome, or conduct experiments to try to find better techniques. How does your investigative ability uh, compute with that?
4: Okay, I, I think all three angles are legitimate and appropriate. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly, any any individual that is looking to uh, create better technique, uh, I mean that's that's helpful because by creating uh, more efficient Accurate techniques to investigate, we get better evidence. Uh, individuals that are looking for a particular answer, I do get a little worried about because when you don't go in with an open mind, willing to look at all angles, you tend to get the answers you want rather than the answers that are there. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I prefer folks to go in with an open mind of uh, let's see what we've got here, let's see where the evidence takes us. Uh, certainly, if you're if you're working to create better techniques, better equipment. That's that is part of where I come from. Also, uh, we're always getting better. You ask about, um, you know, how my background helps. One of the things that we do is interviewing the client, the person that has called us there, and understanding where they're coming from and understanding where that mindset is can be really helpful if you have a, a background in conducting interviews. So that's that's one area where uh, my kernel background certainly does help. Mm-hmm. And my, my healthy bit of skepticism, I hear a noise. Okay, is that a footstep or is that just the wind hitting uh, a shutter? You know, you've got to keep that that perspective also. And a lot of folks have that. Certainly most investigators that I've dealt with have that attitude. I just think that my law enforcement background allows me to, um, how to put this, uh, separate the fact from fiction a little bit better because that's what I've done for a living for 30 some odd
3: years. How many times have you gone on investigations and immediately or maybe not even immediately, but after you've been talking to the the potential client for some time, it becomes apparent that it's not uh, entirely a physical or even a supernatural occurrence that's happening, that this may be an indication of uh, some kind of a psychological event that's going on?
4: Either psychological, or I want this to ha- be actually be happening. Two, uh, two little differences there. Um, mm-hmm. Several times we've we've um, interviewed folks, and we walked in. And part of my protocol is, and it can sometimes be very, very uh, touchy. You got to be careful. But I've determined that individuals have had some sort of psychiatric uh, treatment episodes. Perhaps they're on certain levels of medication. Um, And then once you add that to the background that you do on the site, you come to the realization it may not be a supernatural event. Uh, That's happened a number of times. I've also had a number of times where people want this. They've watched the TV shows. Mm -hmm. and and Some some of the TV shows are great. I'm I'm not knocking that, but it's just like you and I watch uh, people watching cop shows. They actually think that we can uh, take a fingerprint and in 15 minutes find out who the culprit is and arrest them. Same concept with folks that have sometimes watched a lot of these shows, and they want it to happen so bad that they're hearing things and they're they're developing uh, scenarios in their own mind, and their their perception becomes their reality. And I've had that happen a number of times.
3: I've also experienced uh, both of those different kinds of uh, scenarios myself, where after a few moments of uh, being in the house and uh, seeing what's going on, that it's. Um either the client is experiencing that all within themselves or in a lot of cases too yeah i just want you to verify that it's happening but i don't want anything to be done about it yes i that too so we're going to come back in just a few moments we've got a few messages we need to get to and uh, we're going to come back and talk to larry lawson a paranormal investigator you are listening to the world beyond radio show i'm your host joe Wiegent. please stick around
1: For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
2: While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics, from astrologists to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition. We'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and The Science of Magic, right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net.
5: Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative.
3: Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent. We are talking with Larry Lawson this hour, and he is a police officer in Florida and also a paranormal investigator. Larry, how uh, is your relationship with other investigating teams in your area?
4: Absolutely outstanding. I mean, uh, the cohesiveness among groups in our area, um, is unbelievable, and I and I know for a fact it's not like that everywhere. So I consider myself very, very fortunate. We've got terrific folks in this part of Florida. Um, off the trails, paranormal plug for them um, uh, down in Port St. Lucie is a, a great example. Uh, War Party Paranormal down in West Palm. I could go on. Great groups up here, so it, it's very good, actually.
3: So. You know, whenever I do my investigations, and the the team that I've put together is uh, mostly a team of sensitives or mediums or other people who can sense energies or spirit or other things that are uh, nearby, So, do you work with uh, sensitives or mediums, and what is your opinion of their kind of work?
4: That's a great question, because early on, a uh, typical hard-headed cop uh, didn't really... Um, had a couple of bad experiences on, on some missing persons cases years and years ago. But since I've, let's say, I've, I've evolved as, as an individual, as a person, I've come to really appreciate folks with that gift. And so, yes, I've got a sensitive on my team uh, that has done just tremendous work. And most of the teams that we have have one or two folks that have a, a medium or a sensitive in it. And I think that's an important part of putting together your evidence and your your cases. Uh, there, if, if you're going to be closed-minded to say there's only one way to do it, then you're never going to find the answer. Now, me, I'm as sensitive as a rock. At least that's the joke I like to say. <laughs> um, and, and therefore, I'm the kind of guy that needs something I can put my hands on and see it. But I've come to appreciate the individual that can say, you know, I feel or I see this – and then I cooperate that information with perhaps more tangible things like uh, uh, reactions to equipment, and that has happened numerous times. So I think there's a there there's there's important part for everybody at this table. Uh, I enjoy working with them. The folks that are sensitives on our teams do a tremendous job, and I think a team without a sensitive is really um, really losing out.
3: You know, that's uh, the way I have run my uh, particular uh, outfit for years. Is uh, Matter of fact, I didn't even start uh, taking a recorder until my last couple of investigations, and I've probably done 50 of them. And uh, so most of what we do is all by bringing more people, uh, you know, weirdos like myself who can talk to dead people and uh, try to get them in there and, and see what we can do. Whenever you are on an investigation... And you, through your, uh, your investigative techniques and uh, backed up with uh, information that's coming in from your medium or your sensitive on your team, and you have determined that, yes, there is something that's actually happening here that is not in this physical realm. There's a spirit. There is a, you know, some kind of an earthbound spirit or whatever happening in this house, and this is why these problems are occurring. Does your team... Uh, try to create some kind of a solution or a resolution to that. So that way it's no longer a bothersome uh, occurrence.
4: Um, as in moving a spirit on, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah,
3: that, okay. yes.
4: Um, we, yes, we had a, we had one uh, individual that was particularly adept at that. Very, very good at it. Uh, she's unfortunately in France now. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, there was a particular case where, um, and it was, in, it was in Felsmere, frankly, where we had an individual, uh, a home, an entire family that was having some issues. And we were able to identify uh, an entity that had just not moved on. And it was uh, kind of a sad case where uh, an individual had been bullied. Probably they, in life they probably had some uh, um, mental health issues, I guess is a good way to put it. And we were able to successfully move it on and to the point where the family stopped having issues. Now, it's easy to say, well, yeah, they they wanted to see it happen, so it's psychologically they didn't have any other issues. But when you got four or five people in the family saying, yeah, it's different, uh, yes, we're not having the same problems, that gives me some validity. If it was one person saying, oh, yes, the problem is solved, you got to be a little skeptical. But in this case, we had like four or five people saying the problem was solved. So that's one example of... How we used uh, a, a medium to to move a spirit on into the light and uh, have them go home.
3: So, what has been your uh, your most fascinating or your most harrowing investigation yet to date?
4: Um, fascinating. Here was an incident at uh, it was a place called the Holstrom House. Um, we work really closely with our um, historical society here in Indian River County. And we were in one of their uh, facilities, the Holstrom House, one of the older houses in our county. And uh, we had a, a session going where we had a, a pair of uh, divining rods. And that was a t- one, That was another piece of equipment. I had some real trouble early on grasping and finding validity in it. But that has since changed. So one person was using a, uh, the divining rods. Then we had a, a couple other pieces of equipment and a sensitive. All of them came up with the same answers. And the interesting answer was... The spirits were moving freely between our uh, perception of heaven and this dimension. And to me, I thought that mm-hmm. was really fascinating because it was confirmed not only with the, uh, with the equipment, but also the uh, sensitive and the um, uh, divining rods and to me that was significant uh mm-hmm. not something i'd ever had ever considered before that it's just a like a a, a passageway i open back and forth i don't know how you feel about it but that was a uh, that was significant for me
3: yeah i've also run into uh the portals like that where things can uh, pass through like that have you ever dealt with anything of a darker variety some of the uh the not really things that have ever been human in life here as we know it, but things from the uh, other dimensions or other areas that are uh, a little more uh, sinister in their approach.
4: Yes, yeah, certainly we've we've run into some. Uh, they were either very angry former human spirits, or they were something that was never human. Uh, fortunately, I've never been scratched, been touched, hit a couple times. Uh, our our team sensitive has encountered it a couple of times on investigations. And, uh, we have some, uh, directions that we can go for folks that, that, will help us with that. If we feel it's something that was non-human, um, but it's happened, I've been fortunate. I've haven't had a lot of that, but I've had several times where, yes, we've come across, uh, darker forces. The one, uh, place, it was a former penal institution. Uh, we got a really ugly voice one time. Uh, My son was walking out, we had a recorder going and, um, he just made a comment about it's a shame they were locked up here in the in in life and they're still here in the afterlife. And we didn't of course didn't hear it right away until we heard the tape later, but very clearly you hear a hell we ain't dead. And it was pretty obvious it was <laughs> made from the sound of it. So, yeah, we've we've come across the darker ones.
3: And <clears throat> that is nice. We ain't dead.
4: Yeah, you know, yeah.
3: in my experience, uh, whenever they uh, they shed their mortal coil, they they actually are just as alive as they were just moments before. They just they don't have a a physical body to wear around anymore. So, I think it's important for all of us investigators to understand that they, you know, until they go into the light, they still think that they are just as alive as they were, and in in most senses, they are. So, so. Tell me a little bit about the Paranormal Laboratory.
4: Well, this is a concept that I've been developing uh, over the last uh, several months. And you, you've got to understand you've got to have a, a, a group, an entity that is supportive of what you're doing. And the city of Felsmere has done that for me. I, I, I mean, they trust me. I've been there for a while. Uh, so they've allowed me access to city buildings and anything that's owned by the city to conduct investigations and experiments in. So – And and we've got about five spots in the city that I regularly go to. So the concept has come if we've – and I believe there's different types of entities in several different spots. So what better place than to conduct experiments uh, to find out exactly what it is on the other side because that's what I'm about. I I am about finding the answers. What a better place to do it than in a city where they support what you do and uh, give you access to do it in. So the concept is going to be setting up uh, some permanent stations, uh, inviting teams in to conduct experiments. Obviously, documentation is everything you and I both know in law enforcement. If it's not documented, it didn't happen. So Mm -hmm. that's that's going to be a really um, important uh, aspect of this. And as time grows, we're going to be, you know, everything from audio, visual, uh, permanently on. That's that's my, my dream here. And having teams come in regularly to conduct their own inve- uh, investigations and, of course, sharing the information. And that's another thing that's really huge, Joe. We as a, um, a field of paranormal investigators, we have to share. You and I both know law enforcement wasn't like that for many years. It's mm-hmm. mine, mine, mine. That's been changing. It's been changing since uh, 9-11. Well, it needs to get better in our realm of paranormal investigations, too. We need to share information. We need to have a repository, if you will, uh, for information so that you up in Indiana might have something that, especially with your gifts, you might connect with something that has some connection to Florida. So you may need to look and go to that repository and say, has anybody had this happen or does anybody have this information? And you're able to access that information as part of, you know, the, the, the bigger world paranormal investigators. So that's that's where I'm seeing this laboratory going as being the crucible of putting all of this together to come up with the answers, to come up with the evidence, to share the information amongst all of us so that we can come up with a definitive answer eventually.
3: That's very interesting because uh, there are a lot of groups out there that – from, you know, just from what I see on television and from what I've I've uh, experienced with uh, some groups is that they, they want to collect a lot of evidence and they keep this, you know, a huge database of all these EVPs and other things like that. But yeah, I think uh, just like law enforcement, we need to share that kind of evidence. And if, you know, if, if there are sensitives out there who uh, have a particular gift or have a particular ability to be able to work with a number of different kinds of teams to uh, try to find those answers and try to, to uh, arrive at those conclusions which will give us a better picture about what's going on out there that's that's very interesting um whenever you start putting something like that together please keep me in the loop on that
4: oh joe you're part of it just just plan on that man uh, i am a big believer in sharing and certainly uh an individual like yourself is yeah you're part of it just consider that right now my friend
3: <laughs> yeah it's hard to believe that uh you know weird fellows like me who can uh, talk to dead people could be a part of a uh a scientific type community. So it's uh, that's pretty oh. interesting.
4: You know, I've, I've been asked a lot of times, how as a cop you can you can um, believe in this type of thing? And my answer is, do you want a cop that's closed-minded, that only sees one side of the story, and it's the story he wants to see? Or do you want somebody that can look at the evidence objectively and come up with the answer regardless of what that answer is? And, and Joe, your gifts are part of that. We can't say – it's easy for me to say, since I'm not sensitive, give me a picture, give me an EVP, show me a video of something moving, and that's the only evidence I'll take. If I do that, then I'm closed-minded. I've got to take that evidence that I'm looking for and what your gifts are and put it all together for us to come up with a collective answer to the question.
3: I couldn't agree more. Have you already – Uh, Well, we're just about ready to cut to a break, so I'm not going to ask a long answer question at this point. So uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time cutting off to a break right here. And, uh, folks, you are listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent. We have uh, been talking to Larry Lawson this hour, and we're going to come back with one more segment and ask a few more questions about paranormal investigating. Stick around, folks. We'll be right back.
4: That
6: Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well, then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash XZone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone and receive Dr. Kimberly's
7: book for free.
5: You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
3: Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent. And as always, we are doing our very best to bring you the best in alternative health, paranormal, and supernatural and spirituality topics. Our show, as always, is produced and brought to you by the ever-expanding leader in New Age paranormal and alternative health and supernatural programming, the X-Zone Broadcast Network and Realmar McConnell Media Company at their corporate headquarters and master control in Ontario, Canada. To learn more about the world beyond your host or a wealth of other amazing show hosts and uh, their shows, please visit www dot xzbn dot net. To contact me about being a guest on my show or to learn more about my programming, you can always email me at Joe Wegent, that's Joe, W E I G A N T at xzbn dot net. You can also find out more on my websites, paranormalpeace dot com and reikichoice that's R E I K I choice Dot com. Our special guest this hour has been Larry Lawson, who is a police officer in Florida and also a paranormal investigator. He can be reached at his websites, ParanormalStakeOut.com and ParanormalFBI.com. He can also be reached by email at GhostGuy59 at gmail.com or at Larry Lawson. Larry L-A-W-S-O-N at X-Z-B-N dot net. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in and listening to our show. Larry, we've got a few minutes left at the end of our program. What is your favorite piece of equipment to use when you're going on vacation or your uh, investigations? Vacation, that works, too. Uh (laughs) Hey, I like vacations. It's always always good. Absolutely.
4: I just like the old-fashioned tape recorder. That seems to be the one thing that uh, never lets me down uh, and where I get most of my uh, most of my really, really good evidence. You know, you can buy all kinds of fancy equipment, and, and a lot of it works great, and I use it. But sometimes you just got to keep it simple, and the digital recorder is the easiest way to do it, in my opinion.
3: Do you... Uh do you hook up any camera systems or any special lighting systems, laser grids or, you know?
4: Oh yeah. We use, I mean, we've, we've got uh, uh, several laser grids that we use. Certainly the alternative lighting, infrared, the whole bed. We've got the, um, uh, the flare that we use. Uh, and, and I lo- I actually like the flare, but it just, uh, mm-hmm. it, and all of it's cool. We've gotten evidence on all of it, but it just seems like that good old fashioned digital recorder just is my mainstay. But uh, yeah, we use, we, we use the, the millimeters, K2s, um, all the typical stuff that you'd see, uh, camera systems.
3: Do you have any experience using uh, the uh, what they call spirit box or ghost box or the oculus oh. or anything like that?
4: Wow. Okay, that's an excellent question. May take me a minute to answer it.
3: That's and, fine.
4: <laughs> very, um, very suspect of things like the oculus at first. I'll be honest with you. Whenever you've got something that can spit out words from a programmed bank. As a cop, that makes me suspicious. It could be tampered with. It could be – it just – I didn't like it at first. There's uh, the spirit box, and there's now a new one called the Portal. A guy named Steve Huff built it. I don't know if you're familiar with it.
3: I have not looked at that yet.
4: It's it's interesting. Um, once again, it, it, it scans the radio waves, and mm-hmm. you get uh, answers th- through the radio waves, which theoretically is many times how the spirits will, will – communicate with us and I wasn't hundred percent sure of it. but I had my good friends from War party Paranormal up to uh, felsmere doing investigation because we like to bring folks in and have them uh, you know work in our place also and they brought one of these portals in which is very similar to a ghost box mm-hmm. and we're sitting in what we call the um, choir room and uh, we're asking it a question how many are in the room and it comes back clearly says seven. Another person asked the question, well, how many are here, including you? The portal clearly said eight. Okay, that's getting interesting. Can you tell us who's here? And sure enough, I personally heard three or four names of the people in the room on the ghost box. So I said, okay, this is getting interesting. Now I'm going to jump into it. I said, now you got to understand, I love Felsmere. I think it's a wonderful place and certainly is a hotbed for this type of work. But it's not; doesn't roll off the tongue like Orlando or Miami, if you'll understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I ask, OK, can you tell us where you are, at, where we are at right now? Twice out of the portal. Felsmere. <laughs> I became I became a believer at that moment because, you know, that's just not something that could be randomly picked out. Uh, I mean, it's possible to hear Miami or Orlando, Los Angeles. But Felsmere? Really? Twice? No. Uh, I became a believer at that moment that there is something out there that is able to manipulate the, the waves. And that goes back to what I said about keeping the open mind, too. I saw something new that could not be explained, and now I'm more accepting of it. 15, 20 years ago, I don't know that I was that way, but I am now.
3: You know, that's not really a word that's uh, normally programmed into a uh, electronic device. That's, that's not a common word.
4: My point exactly.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's... We did a uh, investigation down at Waverly Hills last year, and a a ghost box was being used for that. And sometimes it was answering questions in a way that was consistent, and then sometimes it was uh, coming up with words that I wasn't picking up in the area, that you know, when I was tuning in. So Mm -hmm. that that's been uh, one of my few experiences with ghost box. So I'm I'm still uh, the jury's still out on that one, if you will.
4: Well, you know, from my point of view, um, I'm finding, and, and once again, I'm not sensitive, but I'm finding that uh, if we got direct answers all the time, then we would have already uncovered all the answers. Mm-hmm. We're, in my opinion, we're still trying to figure out how this communication thing works, so therefore, uh, it's for it always to be accurate at this point, I would almost suspect somebody is manipulating it. So when you're getting some things that make sense, like Felsmere, Maybe some other words. Maybe it's just because we haven't figured out that complete, total line of communication yet.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, something that uh, John Edward said a few years back uh, in one of his books, and he's a, a famous psychic medium, of course. Oh, I,
4: I've read him, and he's one of the people that has helped me, but go ahead.
3: Yeah, he, he said in one of his books that whenever spirit wants to come communicate with us in this world— that it's a lot like uh trying to have a phone conversation at the bottom of a twelve foot swimming pool. It takes all the energy you've got just to get down there, and once you're there, you can't stay very long and you can't say very much well wow. that's that yeah, it. yeah that so that, it right you know that that not only. Oh, sure it does, because it uh, not only explains why things like ghost boxes and other things like that can only, you know, grab little bits of words here and there, but also, you know, psychic mediums like myself and, and others, we get these little tiny pictures or, or indications or or symbols or feelings or little blips of words or something like that. So it makes a, a lot of perfect sense in our, in our uh, investigative line of work. So where do you see the future of paranormal investigating going?
4: I see it becoming more sophisticated. I see more like-minded folks coming together with the the intent and the desire to come up with the answers in a, a dedicated, structured way so that we can present it almost as if we were presenting it to a jury. I see the equipment getting better. I see fewer and fewer people um, doing it just for the fun of it. I mean, we'll always have that, and, and, and you need that to some extent. Mm. But I just see the whole profession starting to become more sophisticated. Uh, this is no longer a field of folks that are that wear funny hats and, and uh, look weird. It's, it's a group of people that are truly looking at it from a scientific as well as a spiritual angle. And I think that uh, as we come together more and more, the future is going to be we're going to we're at least going to find the doorway, even if we can't completely walk through it. We're going to find the doorway to the answers.
3: You know, that was going to be my next question was, do you think that more scientists in this field should uh, accept a more spiritual mindset in these things? And uh, is, is that necessary or would that, uh, you know, taint the water, so to speak?
4: What's necessary is not that they become more spiritual, but they become more accepting of other aspects of the study. Once we close our minds off to it's only my way, it can only be found the way I'm looking at it, that's when we stop finding answers. Scientists need to remain scientists and conduct their studies in a scientific way, but they must be. They must grow and evolve to the point where other aspects are acceptable, and people with your talents, for example, have valid information and putting it all together. Does that make sense? Am I, am I getting that out right?
3: Yes. Keep uh, going. They,
4: they, they, we've got, to, we've. You don't have. I don't have to be a psychic, and I, and I'm convinced I never will be. But I accept what you say, Joe. And when you combine it with what I'm finding on scientific equipment, there we have validity. So I may not be psychic, but I accept what you say, and I understand that it's part of the big puzzle. Because let's face it, this is a spiritual puzzle. It's not going to be found just through scientific equipment. It's going to be found through a combination of all of our efforts, and all of us looking at our efforts equally.
3: Even if that means that I can't prove what I'm seeing?
4: Well, that there lies the question. You may not be able to prove it, but perhaps some time as we evolve scientifically, what you're, you're seeing that we can't prove might be provable on another piece of equipment. Hmm. But there's also a thing called faith, too, Joe. Um, as long as you're looking at it objectively and ready to say, okay, maybe it's something else. But look, Joe said this. I know Joe has gotten this right ten times before. My piece of equipment has validated part of this it does you don't need I don't need you don't need to prove it to me and I don't need to say it didn't it happened just because my equipment said so it's got to be a combination of the two that's where I'm
3: absolutely going. well it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today Larry I have enjoyed, enjoyed this it. immensely and we are going to say goodbye and to all of our listeners out there thank you for tuning in we have had a great day thank you for listening to the world beyond radio show